you may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Welcome to voice print identification. When you see the red light go on, would you please state in the following order? Destination, your nationality, and your full name. Moon, American, Floyd, Haywood R. Thank you. You are cleared your voice print identification. Thank you. Good. Frankly, we have had some very reliable intelligence reports that quite a serious epidemic has broken out at Clavis. I know there have been some conflicting views held by some of you regarding the need for complete security. However, I accept the need for absolute secrecy in this. This is in fact what has happened. I'm really not at liberty to discuss this. We thought it might be the upper part of some buried structure, so we excavated out on all sides, but unfortunately we didn't find anything else. And hasn't been covered up by natural erosion or other forces. It seems to have been deliberately buried. Four million-year-old black monoliths that remain completely inert, except for a single, very long, radio emission. The sixth member of the Discovery crew was the HAL 9000 computer. Everything is going extremely well. One gets the sense that he is capable of emotional responses. Well, hell, I'm dead. I'm dead. No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. But Dave, I can't put my finger on it, but I said something strange. Just a moment. Just a moment. Do you know what happened? I'm sorry, Dave. I don't have enough information. Made radio contact with you. The radio is still dead. Hello, Hal. Do you read me? Hello, Hal. Do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Do you read me, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Everybody, this is Mark Farner, the founding member of Grand Funk Railroad, and I'm listening to Nostalgic Radio in Cars, where they'll knock you alive. Set the way back machine. Yes, sir, Mr. Peabody. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuning into Nostalgic Reading Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, you can be sure and go to our archive page, Nostalgic Reading Cars, and tune into all of the 467, today's number 467 shows. They're all uploaded, and they're already there for you to listen to. Good evening, Bobby. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you? Pretty good. Tommy, how you doing? 
Just wonderful. Thank you, Mel. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank uh, one of my listeners, uh, one of our longtime guests have been on our show uh, a while back, and uh, Dan Woods of uh, Chop, Cut, Rebuild, or Chop, Build, or Cut. No, Chop, Cut, Rebuild. That's, that's correct. Anyway, but yeah, hey, Dan, how you doing? Thanks for uh, jumping on the Facebook Thanks live. for jumping on the Facebook. Yeah, we are. Which we are. everybody can. Go ahead, Bobby. Go everybody. Ahead, give it. Go, to, go to Nostalgic Radio and Cars on Facebook. Uh, see us live. Go to Tan Talk Radio Network on YouTube and uh, see us live there too. So, however you want to watch us, go across the bridge, you know, six stations, and online, Tan Talk 1340. There's a lot of ways to hear us. That's right. Now, what are the stations over there on the other side? On the other, on the other side of the bay, on the other side of the pond, as they ah, say. Ah, yes, on the other side of the pond, we have 1350, 102.3, 1400, 104.3, and on this side, 106.1. And thirteen forty. So that seems like a good selection That's, to choose from. Yeah, it is. It is. Now, uh, how about a big shout out to our good buddy, uh, Mr. Bill Cochran, who the, has the a number one you. pillow salesman in America. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, <laughs> call that bad boy up there. Here we go. All right, my pillow. Promo code Bill. Promo code Bill. B I L L. Get your my pillow. <laughs> yeah, get your my pillow. Now we're gonna try this thing out tonight. See how good Bobby's actually gonna try this thing out tonight. Yeah, see right how my pillow works. <laughs> yeah, right here in the studio. So yeah, you know what? Uh, if if you if you're tuned in, uh, ordinarily I have, um, I have my cheaters on eyeballs, ah, yes. and uh, I have a set of cheat balls that I cheat cheat balls. Cheat balls. <laughs> cheat balls. Whoa! Hey, I'm, I have a set of cheaters on that I think I borrowed from your mom. Ah. from my bride and because uh, they look like uh, girly glasses but I'm not sure what the strength is now I can read if I look straight down but I can't but you and the screen is blurry well fortunately this is radio so that's right really I don't have to. okay so you're gonna have to help me out here because at least I can read now why don't you go ahead and do the uh, let's go to the FLA car shows minute real quick ah, yes FLA car shows flacarshows.com that's where you need to go all you right. can search by region. You can search all of Florida. You can search West Florida, uh, Central Florida, the East Coast, uh, Southwest Florida, Southeast Florida, all that stuff. You can see the Tampa Bay Cruising. You can see uh, Big Storms Car Truck Show. You can see all the stuff that reoccurs. It's one time. You can see everything that's going on this week. So you're, you're, as, you're, as you're listening to uh, their six stations, you can also cruise in your car. That's exactly right. Now, I want a big shout-out to Chris Dunn because I see Chris is listening. Chris owns uh, Lincoln Land up in Clearwater. So if you're in the vintage Lincolns, uh, particularly Suicide Door Car, 61 to 67, big shout-out to Chris up there. <laughs> hey, Chris. And, in fact, I just talked to uh, – I was stopped by Dom Forte's today, Forte's Garage. I want to give you guys a big – give them a real big shout-out, Forte's uh, – Let's see, it's a classic garage, and then it's Forte's uh, Inboard Forte's Outboard, outboard connection. connection. Yeah, they're down on 66th Street. Their phone number is 727-544-6440. But uh, apparently, Chris, they stopped by your uh, place a couple days ago, and you gave them a tour of your collection of your beautiful 58 or 59 Thunderbird and the 62 Lincoln, the one with the supercharger on it, and uh, Mario and uh, not the, uh, the Andy Granatelli goodies on it, you know, the really cool Lincoln. So we were talking about that today a little bit. And uh, so, you know, we got a lot of listeners, we got a lot of local fans, a lot of car guys, because that's pretty much who we cater to. Um, the big thing that's coming up next week is the Monterey Collector Car Week that starts the 12th of the next month. Actually, starts like around the 9th. You know, they got uh, early ceremonies and events and functions going on, but the probably the, one of the most spectacular events throughout the year is definitely the Monterey Collector Car Week. It's seven days of just absolute automotive uh, utopia. That's probably the best way to describe it. You know, between all the auctions, uh, you got Russo and Steel, you got Bonhams, you got Goodings, you got Meekum. Uh, let's see who else is out there. Um, and uh, that we go to, um, geez, my mind just went blank. Um, yeah, what, who did I mention? I mentioned Goodings, RM, uh, Bonhams, oh, Russo and Steel. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. And uh, so there's a lot of really cool cars, plus all the functions, the mission in, uh, which is really cool because the local bishop actually comes over there around noon, midday, and blesses all the, the Car collector cars. Carmel Mission. The Carmel Mission Classic. I was that's say, what mission in is a yeah, little mission, closer to us. Oh, no, that's up in, uh, okay, <laughs> in uh, Howie and Hills, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So anyway, and then uh, obviously Sunday is the big event, which is uh, the Pebble Beach Concourse. So we're looking forward to that. And then commencing the uh, probably next week or the week after next, um, up until 
uh, Monterey Collector Car Week. We will be having uh, various guests on the show that are involved or represent uh, a number of the functions that are going on there. So, you know, you've got Legends of the Autobahn. We're probably going to have Ray Schaefer come on because we'll talk. And he's with Porsche Classic in Atlanta. And uh, we'll probably have somebody on from Gooding Auction. Probably have somebody on from uh, Russo and Steel. Drew might come on the show again. Maybe somebody from Mecham. Definitely somebody from Pebble Beach. Uh, Bruce McCall. Uh, Bruce, uh, yeah, McCall from, uh, um, excuse me, Gordon McCall from uh, um, McCall's Motorwork Revival. The Quail Lodge, which is probably the most spectacular event of the week that's uh, a non-concourse, but just a really, really nice show with some of the finest automobiles on the planet. And uh, just there's just some spectacular events. Plus, there's a little car show, and it's called a little car show because most of the cars that participate in that particular event are small little. They could be micro cars, small little Fiat's. It could be MGs. It could be Alfa Romeos. It could be Volkswagens, vintage Porsches, you know, Pinos even. You know, so there's all kinds of cool stuff there. You know, just some odd stuff. But it's in downtown Monterey. It's pretty cool. It's, uh, it takes up about four or five blocks, and it's an all-day event. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of cruises. There's the uh, Concourse d'Elegance. Uh, which is uh, a, a drive that they do along a 17-mile drive and down across Bixby Bridge, and then they drive back, and then they stop at lunch in downtown Cormel on Ocean Avenue and for everybody to see. So you get a chance to see actually all the cars, and it's open to the public. It's, it's, there are so many people there that show up at this particular event, it's almost impossible to get a photograph. Uh, what kicks off the week is the uh, concourse on the Ave, which is done by our good friend, uh, and founding father of the concourse uh, on the Ave, which is um, uh, Doug Friedman out of Atlanta. And uh, that is a spectacular event. Again, open to the public, um, a lot of people there, and some really cool cars. So, you know, it's definitely an event. That you, and plus, the Monterey coastline is just beautiful. You fly into San Francisco, you drive two hours south, you go to Monterey, it's gorgeous. And if you want to go a little further, you know, a couple, two-hour drive further south, and you go across Bisbee Bridge, down PCH Highway, and you wind up in Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara is absolutely outstanding. On the way down, stop at St. Louis Obispo. It's beautiful. Go across the Madonna Pass, which will scare the living daylights out of you because it's like a 1,000-foot drop. <laughs> and uh, don't, be, don't forget to stop at Hearst Castle. So that's kind of like uh, um, uh, 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 kind of like a rundown of, of, of what you would do during Monterey Collective Car Week. Of course, in the fall of November, first week in November is uh, end of October is SEMA. It's a huge show. The first uh, third week in uh, January is Scottsdale Collective Car Week. And, of course, the second week in March is one of our favorite events and an event that's really due to my heart, and that is the Amelia Island Concourse. So that's kind of like the rundown on that. Now this weekend, Saturday, is the DuPont Registry Cars and Coffee. So you definitely want to attend that. Yes, we'll probably be hanging out there. We usually go there and you get there really, really early, like around 5.30 and you get a parking spot. If not, well... And then after that, we all trek on down to Dimmit to their uh, Cars and Coffee because they furnish not only coffee, not only fruits and and goodies like that, but they have crispy cream donuts, right, Bobby? Mm-hmm. Crispy cream donuts. Okay, so that's the big thing there. Anyway, um, what am I doing here? Well, see, last week we didn't go to any car <laughs> shows, did we? We missed some of the stuff. We were doing some stuff around here, working on this, working on that. But uh, one of the things I'm working on right now is I'm doing a uh, an appraisal on a kind of an interesting car. You know, we talk about appraisal, we talk about diminished values, we talk about. Uh, um, total loss reports and stuff but a car that i and and, and i love doing appraisals um they're a lot of they're very exciting especially when you get something unusual so one of the cars that i'm doing right now is a 1969 camaro and actually the car was built by our good friends down at forte's automotive and uh so they did all the metal work on the car um they did all the mechanicals on the car it's a really true true custom pro touring kind of resto mod build you know started out as just a casual camaro you know and then I'm going to do a little of this, I'm going to do a little of that, and next thing you know, it's, you know, uh, turns into a pretty serious project. So it's probably close to a, a SEMA-style car. I mean, not full-blown and not all to that, to that magnitude, but the, the idea, the concept, conceptually, it's, it's kind of a SEMA car. You know, most of your pro touring cars are extreme. I mean, it's got a Detroit Speed uh, front suspension, rear suspension, 9-inch rear end. It's got an LT4 Chevrolet motor in it. Uh, modified shock towers, modified windscreen. It actually has those new style wind uh, glass in the car now, you know, so it does, like, the, like the new cars have with no molding or anything like that. They had to actually modify and configure the uh, roof and the uh, the roof line where the windshield is, the header, and then of course the back as well to, to accommodate a lot. So there's a lot, a lot of work being done to that. And then a friend of ours by the name of Tom Argue, who does some amazing custom cars, again, another SEMA builder, local guy, and uh, he's doing the interior in that car. So. Um, 
I will probably get permission and put some pictures of that particular project on our Facebook page because as that thing kind of evolves, which is kind of cool, um, you guys might find that kind of interesting. But it's a pretty serious um, car, and it's going to require a fairly detailed um, appraisal, which is going to require a lot of research. So uh, I'm looking forward to that because I haven't really done one to this extreme. Now, I've done some pretty interesting cars. I've done some vintage Ferraris, 1953 Ferrari works car, which was probably a $3.5 million car. I did a $4.5 million Ferrari collection out of South Florida not too long ago. A uh, million dollar collection of cars out of Orlando. Uh, a $10 million collection of cars, including Ferraris, Lolas, race cars, vintage Lolas, that is, I might add. Uh, there was actually a Decon Monza in there. And uh, there was a 1957 Curtis 500 in there there was uh one of the uh, two of the nissan gtp cars uh or one of the nissan gtp cars and two of the nissan gt one was a gto and one was a gt car so there were some interesting cars so my specialty is really you know it doesn't matter fifty dollars to five million you know we, we do everything here at gulfstream motorsports so definitely if you guys need appraisals diminished values total losses reports uh go to our website gulfstream motorsports Com, and you can find out more about us. Now, having said it, I think what we're going to do, since it is coming up, there's a number of 50th anniversaries coming up. There's a 50th right, anniversary yeah. of Woodstock. There's the 50th mm-hmm. anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. Mm-hmm. So if you followed our theme a little bit tonight, uh, that's kind of what we started with the original uh, movie trailer to 2001 Space Odyssey. And i got to tell you, I saw that movie in 1969 in the front row on one of those giant mega screens. My eyeballs were like uh, that was that was kind of a that was a trip, really was. But anyway, so uh, and we got a little uh, guest coming on, a special guest coming on a little bit later this evening yes. or this afternoon or the evening, and uh, he was actually there. He was a member. One of the, he's the youngest member of the Apollo 11 launch crew. So we're looking forward to have him uh, on our show this evening. In the meantime, I think what we're going to do is we're going to fire up the stereo, and we're going to crank that bad boy up. Be sure and stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. You tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And I'm gonna be high as a kite by then. I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. Lonely out of space on such a timeless flight. Some money after 911 and 411. Call 541. That's 727 541 1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727 541 1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle and visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Okay, we're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, yeah, we have a guest that's uh, tuned in. He's from Brooksville, so 
Inverness. Yeah. Inverness. Okay, so uh, on YouTube. On YouTube. Yeah, he wanted us to uh, mention that we're on YouTube. Yes, we are. So we're on YouTube. Yes. Live, and then we're on Facebook. Tan Talk Radio Network on YouTube. It'll be the first video. It'll be showing up there featured because it's live. Okay. And then Nostalgic Radio and Cars on yep. Facebook. Okay. And that'll be the first video up there, too. And then the WTN streaming, which yeah, is... Yeah, and then tantalk1340.com. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So, uh, yeah, so we got the Apollo 11 landing. Also, share, share the Facebook. Broadcast share the Facebook. Because you can share the video. Okay, we got our uh, we got a little uh, a buddy caller calling in here. We got Mr. Uh, Billow, or the world famous number one Billow. salesman, pillow salesman in America. I just wanted to compliment you two on that show. You're doing a great job. <laughs> well, you thank, you, thank you, Bill. Bill. Uh, you should do, you know, and bring Chris Scott on there too, and he can talk about his Lincoln. Yeah, know? well, Chris is tuned in right now, so we're going to have to have Chris uh, call in one of these days, and we'll have to do a special on Lincoln Continentals. In fact, we'll probably have you sit in here, and we'll all because we've all owned Lincoln, so we can all talk about Lincolns. I used to sell parts for him back in the day. Yeah, a lot of parts, a lot of Lincoln parts. You yeah. sold parts for Chris? I sold them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I sold a lot of parts. A lot of those sixty, sixty. I had the, I had a sixty, I had a sixty-two at one time. But Chris, yeah, I met Chris driving down the road in nineteen eighty-four. He was driving a Lincoln, and he saw me driving a Lincoln, and he pulled in. You know where that Swin bike shop was on Feltzer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he pulled in there. I was going in there to get an air. I bought one of those twin air dines or air drive back then. Yeah. And he pulled in upside me and wanted me to join the Lincoln Club. So I did. I joined the Lincoln Continental Club. But yeah, we we go back a long way. And wow. We used to put them in, in the mall. You know, the Lincoln's in the mall. So, but, but your your son Bobby is a big help. Was has given me a lot of help in the radio. So I appreciate it. And you know what he's done in Tommy too. So you know. I'm pretty passionate about politics, so I only got a few <laughs> friends left. <laughs> well, well, we all we'll, thank you. <laughs> we thank you. We're one of your friends. Well, Bill, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for calling in. And then yeah. uh, we'll yeah. be in touch, okay? And, and Jay Leno. You know Jay Leno, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. He... I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling, Bill. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Tommy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and fire up that stereo. Let's play another uh, Space Oddity style song, I guess, something out of the 70s. What's, what's this one coming up, Bobby? You this picked it. This is uh, David Bowie. David Space Bowie. Space Oddity. Okay, Space Oddity. We've oh. given so much Clearwater, summer, and space history this summer. We've given them so much history. <laughs> yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. We have. Okay, hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Card. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with our special guest for the evening. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom Take your protein pills and put your helmet on Ground control to Major Tom Commencing countdown engines on Check ignition and may God's love be with you. This is ground control to Major Tom. You've really made the grade. And the papers want to know. To lead the capsule if you dare. This is Major Tom to ground control. I'm stepping through the door. And I'm floating in the most peculiar way. And the stars look very different today.
something like 125 million Americans and uncounted millions in other countries saw a unique combining of romance and technology. John Keat looked at the moon one time and wondered what there was in it that moved his heart. The scientists and engineers looked at the moon and thought they could send men to walk on it if they could build the hardware. It turned out they could and they did. And perhaps 50 years from now or more, when people think of the past, they will look at the pictures from last night. But without waiting that long, here is a shortened and edited version of last night's romantic and technical history. I'm going to step off the limb now. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Yes, the uh, surface is fine and powdery. I can, I can pick it up loosely with my toe. It does adhere to, in the fine layers, uh, like uh, powdered charcoal, to the uh, to the sole and inside of my boot. Beautiful view. Is that something? Magnificent sight out here. Magnificent desolation. For those who haven't uh, read the plaque, uh, we'll read the plaque that's on the front landing gear of this lamb. There's, there's two hemispheres, one showing each of the two hemispheres of Earth. Underneath it says, Dear men from the planet Earth, first set foot upon the moon, July 1969, It came in peace for all mankind. It has the, the crew member signatures and the signature of the President of the United States. Columbia, this is Houston, reading you loud. Clear, over. Yeah, this is Houston, reading. Yeah, radio loud, clear. How's it going? Roger, the EVA is progressing beautifully. I believe they're setting up the flag now. Great. I guess you're about the only person around that doesn't have TV coverage with the scene. That's all right, I don't mind a bit. How is the quality of the TV? Oh, it's beautiful, Mike, it really is. Oh, geez, that's great. Is the lighting halfway decent? Yes, indeed. They've got the flag up now, and you can see the stars and stripes from the limit. Beautiful, just beautiful. All right, you do have to be rather uh, careful uh, to keep track of where your center of mass is. Sometimes it takes about two or three spaces to uh, make sure that. Uh, You've got your feet underneath you. And about two or three or maybe four easy phases can bring you to a fairly smooth uh, stop. Direction. Just like a football player, you just have to Hello, Neil and Buzz. I'm talking to you by telephone from the Oval Room at the White House. And this certainly has to be the most historic telephone call ever made. I just can't tell you how proud we all are of what you For every American, this has to be the proudest day of our lives. And for people all over the world, I am sure they too join with America in recognizing what an immense feat this is. Okay, we're back, and yeah, we're celebrating the American dream, you know. that's uh, That was pretty amazing. That was actually the uh, uh, clip from the original moon landing. So, um, Which brings us to our next guest. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening the uh, founder of the up-and-coming, really cool, futuristic beach tram. But more importantly, this gentleman is uh, can lay claim to being the youngest member of the Apollo 11 launch crew uh, a local guy went to Largo High School back in the day. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Tom Nocierra. Tom, how you doing, buddy? Robert, I'm I'm feeling really good, and uh, thanks for playing that last clip. I really enjoyed it. It brought back some memories. Uh, uh, sometimes hearing things on the radio without seeing it on on TV uh, adds another depth to it, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. So thanks for thinking to do that. Very good. Well, I did that because I wanted to kind of segue into your story, because it's very fascinating. So why don't you go ahead and tell us how you became the uh, youngest member of the Apollo 11 launch crew. Well, the, uh, 
Let me start with, uh, it used to be called St. Petersburg Junior College here on Drew Street. Okay. And uh, I graduated from a program uh, that they had just started. I was in the first graduating class and wound up with a commercial pilot's license and my two-year college degree in aerospace technology. My dad and a couple of my uncles actually worked over at Kennedy Space Center, and they'd been working over there throughout the um, Gemini and Apollo uh, program. Uh, so in the summer of 1969, right after my graduation, my dad said, you're going to need money uh, to c- complete your college education. If I can get you hired on for the summer at Cape Kennedy, would you want to come to work there? And I said, absolutely. So uh, he took my, uh, uh, my application in, kind of walked it through, and within uh, a week or 10 days, I was over there starting a training program. Um, my uh, uh, job title was associate engineer trainee, and I was considered to be what, what's called a summer hire. And uh, my expectation was I'd be working there uh, from May until the end of August and then heading out to Denver to, get my, uh, to go to work on my four-year college degree at that point. So anyway, uh, because of my dad uh, working over there, uh, I wound up being on the uh, well. I, I wound up being assigned to the launch pad section, um, and that was a very exciting place to be. That got me out on the launch pad and and uh, allowed me to get some training and some things that otherwise I would have never uh, known about uh, how to fight a, a rocket propellant fire, for example or how to get off the launch pad in, a, in the case of an emergency. And um, there were a couple of ways to do that, and uh, both were exciting. <laughs> so uh, um, that summer was a, uh, a very memorable time, and today is exactly 50 years uh, from the most memorable uh, part of that experience that I had. So now, when you were over there, um you're, 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 you were over there for the entire summer, or you were just over there for a short duration? No, I was over, well, here's the way it worked out. I had planned to be there for the entire summer, but after uh, we got the uh, astronauts back from, uh, from the moon, the president, President Nixon, ordered a massive cutback in the budget for the Apollo program. And uh, so it was last hired first to be released, oh. so I wound up... Uh, I wound up actually departing earlier than I'd planned, but fortunately I'd saved up enough money to, you know, to, to get out to Denver, and, and uh, I got another job once I got out there. You know, back in those days, 50 years ago, we worked our way through school. We didn't uh, borrow money <laughs> to do it, <laughs> like, like so many people do today. But, but right. anyway, uh, uh, Robert, uh, I think the, the story of actually what I did on launch days what your audience might want to hear about. And um, if you'd like me to tell that, let me... Absolutely. uh, Absolutely. I want you to give us a whole rundown. In fact, if I remember correctly, in our discussion earlier, we talked a little bit, didn't you, weren't you actually at one point, didn't you get actually just get to to walk up? Is it the elevator that goes up to the top along the side of the rocket ship? Were you uh, on... uh, Yeah. Did you get to check that out as well? Yeah, I was was all over the launch pad, you know, at various times. And part of it was training. Uh, And and, uh, if you you can see a photograph of the the Saturn V sitting at the launch pad from a certain angle towards the top of the uh, area where the astronauts would board, uh, you'll see a cable car hanging off the side of the the gantry. And and you'll you'll see that the cable car sits up there and... and, uh, Part of my training was to, to understand how to how to uh, uh, cut that cut the rope that's holding that to the uh, gantry, and uh, being able to use that as an escape mechanism to go behind a bunker several hundred yards away from the launch pad uh, in the event of a catastrophic event. And then uh, another uh, another mechanism that no one, uh, unless you weren't there, knew about is that there was a slide system that ran the entire length of the. Uh, of the uh, of the gantry uh, that was like a circular slide, and they had pieces of burlap there that you would uh, uh, jump onto, and you'd slide down this slide with these 90-degree turns, and you'd wind up uh, 35 feet under the launch pad in a room um, that was uh, designed like a, a bomb shelter, basically. And uh, 
one of the cool things that I remember being in that room after writing the slide down uh, and landing in it, uh, the seats were uh, uh, form-fitted seats, but basically you were kind of in a reclining, stressless position, and, the street, and these uh, seats were all mounted on big railroad springs to absorb any shock. And uh, the idea was you'd get down there and, and jump into one of the seats and ride out whatever happened on the, on the launch pad. And in the center of the circle of chairs was like a cage, and uh, in the cage were the medical supplies, the food and water. But the coolest thing that I remember was like a flare that when, you, when the flare was struck, it gave off oxygen. And I'd never seen anything like that, or I didn't know that anything like that existed, uh, that a chemical rea- reaction could actually give off oxygen. But I saw it, and uh, um, so the idea was that this, uh, this, this area under the launch pad could withstand a nuclear or a, an atomic bomb uh, on top, and uh, the people that were uh, able to get down into this room would have a good chance of surviving that. Interesting. So, well, yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Now, was it Apollo 9? Was that the one that caught on fire? No, that was Apollo 1, where the, uh, uh, the astronauts um, uh, died a horrendous uh, uh, death in a, in a fire that, was, uh, uh, that resulted in a lot of safety uh, things happening from then on out. That's where I was much that, more concerned. Okay, that's where I was going with this. So as a result of that, um, serious measures were taken to, to, so, so that wouldn't happen again, correct? It, well, uh, it couldn't. Uh, it, it, absolutely correct. It couldn't happen again because that could have wiped out the whole space program. If uh, if that a uh, similar type of uh, ca- catastrophic event um, uh, happened, it would be very disheartening for the uh, uh, for the space program to be able to move forward from that. But uh, you know, they use it as a a, a, a very uh, important learning experience, and um, and. So we didn't lose any more astronauts until, you know, the, the Challenger uh, uh, tragedy and, um, and then the, um, the, the other uh, space shuttle that um, broke up on reentry. But uh, uh, space flight is, is risky. I mean, you know, there's no two ways about it. it it's always going to be risky, too. I mean, um, there's just uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of components to it, and they all have to work perfectly. And um, fortunately, in Apollo 11, they all did work perfectly. So. Well, now, tell us about that day when you were there, how, uh, how you okay. had a chance to see uh, and experience right. it. By the way, did you get a chance to interact with uh, Buzz Aldrin or uh, Neil Armstrong? Or? I, did, I did a few years ago, actually. I, I, okay. I got to meet him. I got to tell him my story and uh, got my picture taken with him and uh, got to introduce him to a grandson. Oh. And uh, it, it was a... It was a uh, an, a good experience. I got to meet his son also. Uh, his, his son's also a, a PhD uh, rocket scientist. And um, so anyway, uh, let me uh, let me tell you what happened on launch day. Okay. My dad and I had to both report for work really early in the morning, and I'm thinking it was probably four o'clock. You know, it was long before the before sunrise. So um, my dad, before we left uh, his his house in Titusville, um, he gave me. Uh, some of these uh, postcards that were called day of issue postcards. And basically you put a stamp on it and it's, uh would be uh, stamped with the date of the launch and you'd send it to your friends. So he gave me some of those and uh, with the expectation that I'd be, you know, mailing those out. So anyway, I uh, uh, reported to it, to my office there near the launch pad and the senior engineer, uh, my boss handed out assignments and, uh, he said to me, uh, uh, sorry, there's not going to be room for you in the launch control center. All the seats are going to be occupied, you know, by the senior engineers. He says, but your assignment today is to uh, drive the engineers out to the launch pad uh, for the damage assessment after the safety officer gives the all-clear signal. So I think maybe he saw an expression in my face of being a little bit saddened that I wouldn't be in the launch control center with everybody else. He says, look, he says, uh, I can't tell you to do this, but you've got an all-points pass. You can go anywhere on the Cape. He said, if I were you, I'd go over to the VIP viewing area and watch the launch from over there. And I thought, you know, sounds like a plan. So uh, 
So that's what I did. I drove over to the VIP viewing area, drove my MG. Uh, that was an MGB I was driving at that time, by the way. Okay. Cars are a part of your show. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Uh, I know you, I think you once said that you've got an MG. Yes, uh, yes also, I do. Right? i got a BGT. <laughs> yeah, well, I had an, uh, an MG, a red MG uh, B convertible. Anyway, I uh, get over to the VIP viewing area, and I, you know, uh, I'm wearing my, my uh, issued hard hat, and I'm out in front of the uh, VIP viewing stands by, you know, 30 or 40, well, 30 or 40 feet in front of the VIP viewing stand, so I can look up at the stands and see everybody that's there. And it's like a who's who of uh, celebrities and notables and um, former presidents and uh, the current vice president was there. And, uh, and uh, I saw uh, Charles Lindbergh there. Really? And I saw Johnny Carson. Yeah, and I saw Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon there, and um, yeah, and then I noticed uh, a familiar face to me. It was Barry Goldwater was walking in my direction with a couple of guys, and um, I extended my hand and uh, told him that you know that my family had supported him in, in the election back in 1964, and he says, "I want you to meet my son Barry uh, Barry Jr." And I want you to meet my NASA escort, Gene Cernan. Oh. And, of course, Gene Cernan had just flown in the Apollo 10. That was kind of the dress rehearsal. And then he went on to become the last man to walk on the moon. Uh, so he was, in Apollo, he was on Apollo 17. And um, so anyway, uh, Senator Goldwater then said to me, would you like to come with us? We're going to get as close to the launch as we can get so I can take some photographs of it. And I said, certainly. Yeah, I mean, it was a no-brainer. <laughs> Just wow. instantly. I, I'm honored, you know. So so, uh, so I fall in behind uh, uh, Barry Goldwater Sr. and and, uh, and Gene Cern and, and walk alongside uh, Barry Jr., who's toting this big aluminum uh, case, and that has the Senator's photographic uh, equipment, his uh, Nikon camera and his big lenses and his tripod are all in this case. So... Uh, we walk for a, a good distance, and I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'd have to go back and pace it off to see how, how much closer it was from the VIP viewing stands, but it was a good walk, you know, and I'm thinking maybe a half a mile closer. Jeez. And uh, so we get right up to the fence where nobody could be any closer than that. No one else was out there except for us. And uh, he sets up his camera, Barry, Barry Goldwater sets up his camera and uh, proceeds to get everything set up to take pictures. And this is probably uh, 15 minutes before the um, the actual launch. So we're out there for for maybe uh, 15 minutes uh, before the, uh, the the end of the countdown. So uh, as the uh, as he gets closer to the countdown, one of the things that I distinctly remember is this big cloud of birds just took off. You know, from all around the the, uh, the launch pad is a big rookery, and all kinds of seabirds nest there, and uh, Somehow they were alerted to the fact that they, they had to leave in a hurry. <laughs> and so they so it was just an explosion of birds, an eruption of birds uh, of all kinds. And they're squawking and, and panicked. And, you know, they know that uh, if they don't flee right away that they're going to get cooked, you know, in the, by the rocket. So um, and then it, it goes in the countdown and then we see a spark. And then that spark becomes a all the engines then ignite, you know, and you see all the sparks from the engines and the fire from the engines, and then the, the white um, smoke starts billowing out the sides. And that's a, that, uh, that smoke is a result of what my group at the, uh, with the launch pad section did. Uh, it's called the water deluge system. They start dumping massive quantities of water uh, on the launch pad to absorb the heat and to minimize the damage that the rocket engines would, would do to the structure there. And so uh, uh, that white smoke that you see in the pictures is uh, uh, largely steam. And then the, uh, uh, the next thing I, I remember is that, that the sound hadn't hit us yet. Uh, it was all the visuals of the, of the, of the rockets igniting. And, then, and when the sound starts coming this way, it's unlike what you'd expect. It's a, uh, a constant pulverizing um, pounding of uh, uh, shock waves. Because all these five different engines have all, uh, they're not in sync. You know, there's all these many explosions going on, and they're all 
uh, tremendously powerful. And, and, and you know, it's, I, I heard today, I was reminded that it's 750 million horsepower worth of energy that, that's, that's oh. being uh, exerted at that moment of, uh, of liftoff. And um, so we're getting pulverized in our chest, and, and just really, it's almost almost enough to knock the wind out of you. Now, again, and, uh, how, how, slowly how close are you? How close are you? Like, miles? We're, we're, I'm, uh, if, I think it was two and a half miles from the actual pad, but it was as close as any human beings could legally be. Now, were they you, in a, up, were you in, a, in a barrier, or were you out in the open? Out, out in the open. You were out in the open. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. That yeah. Yeah, that, and, that puts and, a different visual on it right there. Well, we're out in the open, but but uh, uh, the next thing that happened was uh, as we're still getting pulverized from the the shock waves from all the explosions, um, now the ground starts trembling like an earthquake, and uh, so now we're getting it from our you know through our feet up to our bodies, uh, and. Uh, uh, that goes on for a little for a, a, a little while, and then as the rocket you know clears the the launch pad, all those sensations lessen a little bit, and you're just focused now on on watching the, this beautiful rocket take off, and you know, and you're hoping that uh, everything continues to go just as it's supposed to, and um, and then once it clears and once it's you know real small in the in the sky, there's this this almost a celebratory feeling, you know, you're celebrating the the fact that hey, we did it. We did our part. We got we got the rocket launched, and now it's going to be up to mission control over in Houston, and it's going to be up to um, the astronauts, and uh, and then the, the crew that's going to pick them up later to all do their parts uh, flawlessly, so uh, it'd be a successful mission. So there was a lot of pride and uh, and a lot of uh, you know, like I said, just really good feelings. And so that's when, after it was over, then we were shaking hands and everything. And, and I, re- I remembered I had those cards that my dad gave me. And, and so I asked uh, um, Barry Goldwater if he'd autograph one for me, and he, he, and he did. And, and then I asked Gene Cernan if he'd autograph one for me, too, and he did. And, and so that was um, – and then we walked back, you know, to the VIP viewing area and, and um, you know, they had they had things that they had to do, and I had to get back to work to make sure I was on time for the um, you know my assignment for that day to drive the the uh, senior engineers out to the launch pad for the damage assessment. Interesting. Now, did so, you get a picture with Barry Goldwater? I no. We uh, here's the thing. This was in the age before selfies. Oh, if okay. this had been, you know, if, if cameras had been around that that allowed you to do that, I would have probably gone for it. But he had the only camera. In fact, cameras were pretty much forbidden out on the Cape. Uh, you know, we were in this uh, race for the, you know, to get to the moon against the Russians, and uh, that was like a military base. So there, you know, they could have lost your job uh, uh, taking pictures out there. So no, so but Barry Goldwater brought his camera because he's in charge of the Appropriations Committee. You know, in the Senate, he's the uh, a very powerful senator, and. Um, if he wants to take pictures, he's going to get to take pictures. <laughs> but, uh, but we didn't think it didn't cross anybody's mind uh, to take a picture of ourselves out there. Uh, it was all focused on the launch. All our all our attention um, was on that, not on ourselves, or not on memorializing the um, you know, the day. Um, the Kennedy Space Center was originally called Cape Canaveral. Where did that name? Or I think we got a few minutes left. So, where did that name originate, and when did they change it from uh, Cape Canaveral to uh, to uh, Kennedy Space Center? Well, uh, it was well. First of all, it happened uh, uh, after uh, President Kennedy was assassinated, right? And it was uh, kind of a you know a tribute to him and, and for him uh, uh, sharing the vision of going to the moon and and. Uh, that we needed to be the, the nation that did this. We needed to lead in space. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was the... So it would have been in that time frame of 1960... Well, late 1963, 1964, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. it underwent the, the name change. Okay. Do you know where the name Cape Canaveral, how that originated? That's an old name. That, and that may go back to the, you know, the early Spanish explorers that uh, were up in St. Augustine mm-hmm. in that area. Okay. So that's an that's an old name. Yeah. 
right. Well, now, we only have a minute or two left, so we really can't go into this. But if you can, in a minute or two, another project that you're working on is the beach trend. So why don't you do just like a little one-minute yeah. synopsis of that? So, and then so people so can follow up on that real quick. And then we'll have you back on the show, and we'll do a special feature on the beach trend as it kind of slowly materializes. Okay. Uh, real quick, uh, in, in uh, uh, one minute... Uh, we're working, we've been working on a project over the last three years to introduce a new form of transit, public transit, uh, to the Tampa Bay region. And it's uh, uh, invented, it's a NASA technology uh, that was actually invented by a, another Apollo uh, engineer. Uh, and and today it's being commercialized. And um, it involves maglev technology. It involves uh, driverless vehicles. And it involves uh, uh, an elevated system that flies above the traffic. And if everything goes right in a, in a, a couple more years, we'll be able to introduce this between Clearwater and Clearwater Beach as the uh, first project, to kind of the proof of the system. And uh, after that, our plans are to extend this. We'd like to be able to link the airports to Clearwater Beach and take all the rental car traffic off the roads, or at least some of it. And... Um, uh, and, then, and then our plan is to uh, connect uh, places like Morton Plant Hospital, St. Petersburg College, uh, the stadiums in the area, uh, and start creating a, a transit system that's truly a 21st century and worthy of the Tampa Bay area. You know, it's, uh, something that everybody here will be proud of. Interesting, interesting. Now, it's going to be basically above the ground, and they're going to be yeah, these really be- futuristic pods, right, that like four yeah. Four people capacity, four person capacity. Yeah, it'll be fifteen to twenty feet above the ground, and the pods will start out as two person pods, and then uh, as the uh, uh, engineering proceeds, uh, they'll be made larger to accommodate four people. Okay, so if anybody wants to find out a little bit more about this and follow this project, how do they go about doing yeah. it? Beachtran.com. Beach- B-E-A-C-H-T-R-A-N.com. Okay, super. And when do you, like, is there some talk about breaking ground? Are we pretty close? Well, let's hold off on that okay. discussion until, <laughs> next, until our next conversation. Okay. Uh, well. there, there, there are things going on right now that uh, uh, I'm not privy to discuss yet. Okay. Uh, but I hope to be able to soon. Okay, very good. Well, Tom, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here on this uh, historic kind of like time period because basically it was the 20th so it's a couple days away is when they actually had the actual moon landing yeah but you for me for me today's the day that's the important one okay well because this was the 50th anniversary of the launch this morning was it okay so it was on the 16th that was the launch okay all right the day we launched it took them four days to get to the moon well then this is perfect timing tom again thank you very much i want to thank my special guest tom nocera nocera uh, Beach Tran and the youngest member of the Apollo 11 launch team. Tom, you take care and we'll uh, see you around. In the meantime, I want to... Go ahead. Uh, in the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cards. Don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night on the Tan Talk Radio Network between 7 and 8 p.m. Don't forget that you can see us on YouTube. You can see us on Facebook. And don't forget uh, on the Tan Talk Radio Network, you can see us live because we're streamed. And hey, don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com. Follow us on Facebook. And uh, Twitter, Instagram, all of the good stuff. Bobby, you want to say anything real quick? Stay safe, drive carefully, love your family. There you go. All right. Couldn't have said it better myself. Take care, everybody. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.